Well, a few weeks ago, our, our girls were home. You know, Lisa and I have um, two daughters. There's Darden and our daughter-in-law, Jordan, now, and then uh, Susan and Sally. Susan's graduating this May from UT Knoxville. Uh, Sally will be uh, finishing her sophomore year. And the, so they were home. Sa- Sally was home in part. I think it's her fifth or sixth quarantine. You know, when you get quarantined, you're gonna go home and whatever, so she's home. Well, she was on her second or third quarantine in Knoxville. And uh, while, while there, the school would bring her food and one of the things they brought her like almost every day was pumpkin bread. Now, she has never tasted it. I haven't, you know, she's a picky eater. For some reason, she lit into and came to love pumpkin bread. And so she's home last week and she likes to bake anyway. She, so she says, I'm gonna make some pumpkin bread. You know, I would say, well, how about making some chocolate chip cookies while you're at it, you know? But she's making pumpkin bread. So she gets everything together. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this pumpkin bread. Uh, she gets the ingredients um, she's got the right measurements, whatever she, she does. You have to do things in a certain order, you know, when you're baking and, she, uh, and, and then she sets the, the oven to, I don't know, 60, 65 minutes, right, sets the right temperature. She's got two bread pans, at least he gives her. She pours it in there, goes in the oven. An hour later, um, having, uh, you know, got all the right ingredients and all the right measurements and done it in the right order and put the oven at the right temperature uh, and done everything right. What comes out of the oven an hour later, I'm, I'm just gonna say, and I told her, I said, you know, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm just saying this is what I think this was. It wasn't pumpkin bread, it was pumpkin bricks. And it was two pumpkin bricks. And, and I, could, I could have built a fireplace out back, you know, if she made a hundred more. And so I, 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 you know, they go in the trash. So. So you can do everything right, right? You can do everything right. Forget one ingredient. And, and, and it's the smallest ingredient. This is the littlest ingredient that goes into the whole pumpkin bread. You can forget the smallest ingredient and what comes out. Oh, it's not what you hope for. Y'all are already ahead of me on this. What did she forget? The bakers in the room. The baking soda or powder. You know, she forgot the baking soda or powder. You can, you can do so much, get so much right and miss what seems to be the most insignificant part. And it's like everything's wrong, right? It's not like you get a little wrong. You get the whole thing wrong. Y'all, we're coming uh, to the final message today in our study through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We have gone verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph. Uh, we have... We have done 26 weekends, 26 messages. This is the 27th. Um, If you you took the Sermon on the Mount, it depends on your translation, it's about 2,200 words, okay? All that is left in our study is chapter seven, verses 28 and 29. So so chapter, verses 28 and 29, they are perhaps the smallest ingredient, if you will, in the Sermon on the Mount. Does that make sense? I mean, you got 2,200 words and you got about 28 right here, depending upon your translation. Now, as we're, as we're leaving the Sermon on the Mount, what I'm trying to say is we could get all 2,200 right, miss these 28 words, and quite frankly, get it all wrong. We, we could walk away from the Sermon on the Mount with pumpkin bricks, not pumpkin bread. We can walk away from the Sermon on the Mount, quite frankly, fond of Jesus, 
but not flourishing in Christ as he intends. So these two verses, these 28 words, may I say to you, I'm gonna boil it down because I think he does in essence to two words, like two words that we need to get right. You know, if we, if we don't, I, I, someone said, I read this and it, it, it struck me. We can leave, he was talking about something else, but you can, we can leave the Sermon on the Mount with coffee mug slogans. So like we, we'll, we can leave with these things you'd write on a coffee mug, you know, uh, turn the other cheek, you know, love your enemy or do unto others as you have them to do. But if we get these two words right, then, then quite frankly, we leave the Sermon on the Mount transformed from the inside out to forever live right side up in an upside down world. I know we've been standing to sing, but I'm gonna ask you to stand one more time because we're gonna take these last two verses of our study through the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna read them out loud together. I'll lead us, you read with me. Of course, in our liturgy, what we, what we do is we read the words as a community of faith and then we say, this is the living word of God for us today. Amen, we sit down. So. Um, if you're new, this is what we do. So read out loud with me. This is God's word to us this Lord's day. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. You can be seated. Well, uh, if you... You know, look at the verse there. I'm, I'm just gonna pull it out for us. Uh, there are two words that this, these two verses hold that are most important to us. They are the words astonished. And the second word is authority. Astonished and authority. These are the words we need to get right as we step off the mount where this sermon was preached. Let's start with this word astonished, okay? It's the Greek, it's a, it's a combination word in Greek like a lot of these words are. It, it starts with ek, ek, ek means out of. And then there's this Greek word pleso, uh, which means to strike. So, you know, you kind of go, okay, so this word means uh, out of to strike. And we'd hear it more like this, to strike out of is, oh, oh that helps. Well, that doesn't really help <laughs> until we, 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 we get this word as it's translated here, which is a very good translation to say, oh, the word is astonished. Kind of come under that with that Greek translation. And, and what they were really, what's really happening is, I think about it, to strike out of, they were struck out of their mind. That's, I love, that's why I like this word astonished. Some of you may have amazed in your Bible. Uh, they heard Jesus teach you guys. And, and I said this 28 weeks ago, 27 weeks ago, their heads were exploding you know, with, with this teaching. It's amazing. They were amazed. They were astonished. And may I say, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. However, in our context, and when I say in our context, I mean, well, when you take the, where this verse lies and within the story of Matthew, um, oh, it's not a bad thing, but it is not enough. That's where I want you to land. It's not enough to be astonished. 
want you to note this about the response. When we read this, it says the crowds were astonished. It's the many who were astonished. It's the majority are astonished. Most of the people are astonished. You see, it's the crowds who are astonished, which should, could send us, should send us back to, for example, the first warning passage. You remember the first warning passage? He said, I'm gonna warn you, there's, there's two paths. There's one that's wide and easy that leads to destruction. There's one that's narrow and hard and it leads to life. And by the way, the wide and easy, let me tell you who's gonna go down that path. Who goes down the wide and easy path in the text? What's the word he uses? The many, you see, so it's like ding, ding, ding. Oh my gosh, the the many. Y'all, Jesus never had a problem gathering the crowds. But you will never find in the gospel accounts the crowds following Jesus as genuine disciples. It's always the few. There's a warning here. You know, you think about it. These crowds... Um, in Sunday on, on Good Friday, we're gonna be reading about some of the people in this crowd. And whereas at this moment, they're astonished at his amazing teaching. You know what they will be saying about Jesus on Good Friday, these people who are astonished. Crucify him, crucify him. That's what the crowds will be yelling and no doubt some that are here. There's a warning here. Um, we're not, it's like we're not done with the warnings. Beware that your astonishment at the teaching of Jesus does not fool you into thinking you know him and he knows you just because you're astonished at his teaching. Neither of those things is true just because you're astonished. No, you can be astonished, but you've also got to get the second word, authority. Authority. Now, this is the Greek word exousia. It's, this is, it's not rocket science. You know, what does authority mean? It means the right, it's, it means the right and the power to rule over. That's what the Greek word means. It carries this sense of uh, have, to have authority over a dominion. Um, when the scribes and, and uh, teachers, rabbis of uh, Jesus' day taught, Y'all, they, they, their, only, their authority when they spoke, like this is what Torah says, well, they, they would refer back to other rabbis. You know, Rabbi so-and-so said, this is, what that, this is what it means, which is why I now say this is what it means. So their authority rested upon who they could cite, who they could reference, who they followed. Well, this is in contrast to how Jesus taught. You're gonna remember this when Jesus was going through you know, the, some of the laws of Moses, um, he cited the law and he would say, and you gotta think of it this way, when Jesus said these words, here's what they saw in their mind's eye. They saw the, the Old Testament. When Jesus says, you have heard it said. I mean, you've heard it said from Moses. And, and when, when he did that, now think about it, Jesus was actually citing, think of it, a rabbi, right? You've heard it said, I'm going to Moses. And when, when, uh, when they heard him say that about the law, this is not a trick question. Who was Moses' authority? 
Who did they know was Moses' authority? In other words, who, did, who was it that Moses was speaking for? Again, not trick question, who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so when he says, you've, you've heard it said, and they go, oh, that's Moses. And Moses' authority was God. But you remember what Jesus did? You've heard it said, but I say, not another rabbi said, or even I'm citing Moses. No, no, you see what Jesus does in that? He says, you've heard it said Moses, and Moses is Moses only authority, but Moses was God. Yes, I, I'm above Moses. I'm above Moses. And, and they knew that. No wonder their minds were blown apart because the only one above Moses is who? God. God, Jesus puts himself in that authoritative place as God. So he claimed, Jesus himself claims the right and power to rule. So just a little, it's not an excursion. This is just a, a, little, a little deeper, but I, I want us to think about this practically. I want us to think about authority for a minute. You know, we know what authority is. We, we, under, we, we get authority, but I want to go a little bit deeper and I want to do it this way. I want to show you a picture of a red octagon it's got a white trim around it and it's got four white letters on it. it. Stands about five to seven feet tall. You see these things everywhere. Oh, it's a stop sign. Now think about the stop sign. This thing could be sitting out in Timbuktu, out in the middle of nowhere. You could be sitting in your neighborhood. Um, no one else around. It's not like there's police officers standing there. A, a judge is sitting there watching to see. No, it's just a piece of metal on a stick. And if you, you know, it's kind of, if you think about it, and at that piece of metal on a stick, motorcycles, cars, trucks. I mean, think about it. Uh, you know, an 18-wheeler that's carrying a two-ton load comes up to that thing and stops. <laughs> Wow, I mean, that thing is powerful, you know, and you sit there and you go, now some of you are going, well, I don't stop at them. I know some of you don't stop at them, but it's supposed to stop at them, you know? And so and it's, you go, well, okay, think about this. There's, there's the stop sign. This, I'm not trying to trick you. Let's just think as, as wise people, there's that stop sign. What gives that piece of metal and four letters, the right and the power to make everything stop where it's sitting. This is not a trick question. What does? Think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where, where, where'd the law come from? Us for people. Yeah, there's, there's an authority. So, so, okay, so, okay, okay. So the reason that has authority is that there's, step back from that and go, well, behind that is, is, a, is, a, is a governing authority. There, there are people who have gotten together and determined, you know, it's, it's safer for everyone that you stop here. And so they pass a law that says you have to stop here. Well, who gave those people the right to come up with a law that tells me I have to stop there? Again, I'm not trying to trick us. I'm just backing us out from that what, who, who gave, you know, I don't know, Tennessee the right to, to put stop signs where they do? You gotta think about it, who? How, where'd that come, where'd that authority come from? From us? Yeah, say, so, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. So people, people 
got together and said, we, we need this. We need these things sticking up everywhere so we don't run into each other. Now I'm gonna, ju- I'm gonna make a big jump, but I'm gonna do it in the sense for time's sake too. So who, where'd the people come from? That's not a trick question. Just where did people come from? Yeah, see, I'm working my way back, by the way. And, and I mean, where did the, I don't know, where'd the clouds come from and where'd the metal come from to make the sign? Where, where, well, then where did every, why is there something rather than nothing? Why? Yeah, see, so I wanna back away from a stop sign and I wanna move us all the way back to Genesis 1 in which we read in our Bibles, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, male and uh, humanity he made. So there's a stop sign that we go, well, that, that has authority. But ultimately, if you trace it back, I know this may feel kind of silly, but if you trace it back, it goes all the way back to God himself who created the universe. And do you know, this is a, you know, a rendering, that's not even the universe. That's a little pebble in the universe. That's just the Milky Way of which there are billions of those, you know what I'm saying, it's crazy. Our solar system, those, you know, kids, you know, adults, we hadn't been in science so long or whatever, but you know, our solar system, sun, moon, planets, it's, we can't see it. It's, it's wrapped in one of those little bands. It's just tiny. And the Bible says, God made it all. So authority, where in the world does it even originate? There is such a thing as authority because there's a God who created all things, is over all things, and delegated authority to humanity. Now in Genesis, we read it in its general form. Progressive revelation, principle of interpreting your Bible. It's progressively revealed over time. So what can be fuzzy in the Old Testament, it's getting clear here and then bang in the letters of the New Testament, it's like, oh, that's what that is. Progressive, we get to the New Testament and we get such clarity about these words in Genesis, God created. John 1, one to three, for through him God, uh, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Who's the him in that passage? Not a trick question. Who's the him? It's the son of God, Jesus. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, the Colossians Creed. We spent a lot of time here a couple years back. For through him, Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Now, why do I do this little demonstration from, from a stop sign to the creation of the universe? To say this, the man who has been speaking to us for the last 26 weeks in the Sermon on the Mount This is the eternal son of God, the creator of all things. This is the son of God who sustains all things. Paul says, all things hold together in Jesus. I don't fully grasp that other than to say it's more than gravity that makes this world what it is and holds it together. This is Jesus, the God man, the judge, 
of the living and the dead. You know, when we step off the Sermon on the Mount, step off that little hillside and Jesus starts walking, can I tell you some things he does? And this is just a snippet. I'm not gonna have you read it or turn there, but just just listen, because this is chapter eight, chapter nine, just, just in this little narrative. Here's what happened. He steps off the mountain, he touches a leper and the leprosy goes away. He heals the servant of a centurion. He doesn't even see the centurion. The centurion's miles away and Jesus just says, he's better and he was. He'll heal Peter's mother with a touch, cast out demons, heal the sick. You know, when a, you know many of our favorite story, the, 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 the disciples are caught in a storm. Y'all, a real storm. These are experienced boaters and they think they're about to die. The storm is that severe. And Jesus says one word, I don't expect you to remember it, but he says one word, hush. I mean, it's like this. I mean, last night, the sky's coming apart, floods rising. It's like Jesus stood out on your porch and just went, shh, I'm trying to sleep. You know, everything goes down. This is what, this is, this is the God man. How can he do that? He's the creator of all things. He heals a paralytic. He raises a child from death. He restores sight to the blind. How about, that's who we're talking about who possesses, all, possesses authority. This is just me. I, I, I can sometimes think these crazy thoughts in a sense, but I, I go, wow. Why is it when Jesus says, let me, let me start here. How is it that Jesus can say to a hurricane, turn north, south, east, or west, and it obeys him. And he can say to me and you, follow me. And we don't. Do you think about, how, how is it that demons, Jesus speaks to them and they obey him. And Jesus can speak to me or us and we don't. They never don't obey him. Nature never says, oh, no, I kind of want to do my own thing. You understand? All creation is under his authority. And he speaks and disease and death and the forces of nature itself and demonic powers can only obey him. And he says, Lloyd, follow me. And I can walk the other way. That's mind blowing. That's blowing my mind right now. Well, are, are any of us stronger than the storms last night? Like as if, we, are we stronger than the storms or a demon? No, because the issue is not strength or power. It's love. Because the issue is love. Because the creator of the universe is not about having a relationship with nature, the storm, a demon, or death. But he is bound by covenant love to humanity, to people made in his image. 
so we can go our own way. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's really all we can do apart from his mercy. In our fallenness, you all, we're bent away from him. And so we, 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 he, can reach, he can reach out toward us in love and we will walk away unless and until in his mercy, by his spirit, he begins a work in our hearts to open our eyes to see the great love of the Father in the life, death, and resurrection of the Son. It's why we do what we do. Y'all, it's why we're gathered here. It's why that Bible's open. It's why I I trust, I'm, I'm teaching in the power of the Spirit. I trust that you're listening in the power of the Spirit for it is the Spirit of God that takes this Word of God and as we study it and we, we learn of God, then the Spirit begins to open our eyes. It's like, Jesus is the son of God. You know, it's like God begins that work in us. And I trust that it's all, God's always at work in that way in the community community of faith. And so that he's been at work in that way in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's doing that right now today as I'm speaking. It's what he does to draw his own to himself. And it's why I'm always encouraging us, when you, when you see, sense spiritual truth or you see a spiritual truth, you understand you wouldn't see it unless God was working. Pay attention in his mercy, he's opened your eyes to that truth. Well, Jesus, you know, as we come off this, as he steps off the hill, I'm just gonna tell you, we have a choice to make. We can, here's what I mean. We can today put in the baking soda and get pumpkin bread, or we can choose not to and get the pumpkin brick, so to speak. You know, Sally, can I say this, going back to that illustration, Sally forgot to put in the baking soda. Now, when when Jesus says to you and I today, follow me, and, if, and online, and if you're watching this a year from now online, uh, Sally forgot. Today, there is no forgetting. You, you can choose. Am I making sense here? No one's forgetting. I'm telling you, Jesus says, follow me. Now you choose to follow him or not to follow him. And, and when we... You know, again, we're wrapping this series, this series up and we're, we're going to stake in the ground. When we say, I'm, Jesus, I'm following you, understand what you're saying is, I, Jesus, am choosing to put my life under your authority. That's what we do when we follow Jesus. Our whole heart under his authority. It's, y'all, it's not enough to be a astonished. It's good to be astonished, but we must be astonished and under his authority to be transformed, to be saved, to know Christ and him to know us. This is where we find abundant life that Jesus speaks of, hope that doesn't disappoint. For those who choose to put themselves under the authority of Christ. And y'all, 
I am gonna give all of us the opportunity to make that decision, to renew that decision, to reaffirm that decision uh, this morning. We're, 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 we're not here just to come walk out and go, that was a nice day, nice service. I, I hope we never are like that. I'm gonna invite the band to come back out because they will help us. There's some response that we want to do. There's some things we want to recognize and celebrate and acknowledge. But let me, as they're getting set up here, let me, let me get us to our application. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite all of us, including myself, to, uh, to make a choice. And so I wanna kind of help us understand where, where this is going and why. So um, over the last 20 years, our family has gone to family camp every summer, every other. My Pine Cove buddies up here and others in the room. And uh, Pine Cove always, at, at their camps, they always have horse riding is a big deal at these things. And so every year we've gone, I, I have, and there's no other Pine Cove family back here. Um, every year I've gone, I have, I have uh, I've done uh, the, the cattle drive. Now, and when I say that, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I know. It's like, what? Cow- yeah, yeah, like, like, like you get on a horse and go chase cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big long ones down in Texas with the big, big horns. And you go through the wood and you go through ponds and you go through the field and you, you round them up like a cowboy. And, and you know, you got to sign up for these things. And here Lloyd signs up for it year after year. And what's just crazy about this is I am terrified of horses. <laughs> I'm just one of those people. And you know, the horse knows it, you know, and treats me like that. So, so I'm just terrified, but I just do it. Cause I go, I, I, need, I just need to do this. You know, I need to do something more than the just, cause when you're doing the cattle roundup, I mean, you're usually riding with people who know how to ride. And so your horse is next to them. And there's some, you know, there's a lady sitting here. She's been riding horse since she's three years old. And she kicks that horse and takes off. What does my horse do? Oh my gosh, my horse is gone. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm, um, but, but anyway, so that's the whole, the, the horse thing. Now I've, I've always been fascinated by horses too. Cause you, you, some of you are horse people. Cindy Thompson was in here the first service. She does equine therapy and just fascinating. So, so um, there's a man and, and some of you've seen him, read his books, or whatever, but there's a man, his name is Monty Roberts. He's the original horse whisperer. Uh, he's in his eighties now. And so Monty Roberts, when he was in his teens, his, his father raised horses. He's always been around horses. He, he, he began to understand and see that horses have nonverbal communication. Like, like horses communicate in amazing ways. And he began to notice how they communicated with each other. And, and so Monty Roberts, you know, this is like 40 years ago, 50 years ago, he, he began to train horses breaking with millennia of tradition because for thousands of years, you broke a horse, how? You broke the horse by power with the whip, with the bit, with, you know what I'm saying? You chain their leg, whatever. You break the horse, you know? Well, he, he said, no, there's, these horses communicate with one another. And he, and he, he learned how these horses communicate. And so he began and he has for, for Thousands of trainers and people train them in how to, how, to, how to, you know, break in wild horses. So now, he can take a wild horse. This horse has never had a human being on its back. And he will take that horse and within 30 minutes have a rider on a horse that is as wild as can be. Now, 
You can YouTube this because it will move. I mean, it moved me. I mean, you just watch him do this and you're just going, I can't believe what he just did. So he'll bring a horse in a round pen and, uh, you know, come in the gate on this side and he's just standing in the middle and he's got this halter and this horse comes in and this horse is 2,000 pounds of pure wild muscle. And that horse just starts getting, going around the pen and Monty, he'll just be talking to people who are observing him and he's saying, you know, this is what the horse is doing. I want you to look at his legs. I want you to see how she's doing this. And he's just talking and he's just, the horse is running around. He says, I'm gonna do something and you're gonna notice the horse is gonna do this when I do this. And, and, and without touching the horse or anything, he just raises his hand like that and boom, the horse just takes off. He says, because these horses, they've been trained. They're, you know, the predators come at them and your hand is something like a predator. And they, I am telling you, it is amazing. And so I'm watching him do this thing where he, he turns the horse the other way, the horse is running this way. He turns the horse this way and he's just talking the whole time. And then he'll say, now here's what I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching the horse's ear. I'm watching the horse's mouth. I'm watching the horse's neck. I'm watching, he's just watching everything about how his horse communicating. And he says, here's what I'm looking for. And he'll, he'll, he names these four things. He goes, here's what the, he's, he tells you what the horse is gonna do before the horse ever does it. And he says, no, I just wanna look for the horse is gonna do this. And next thing you know, there's the horse licking his lips. You know, he's going, here's what the horse is doing. He's releasing, releasing adrenaline, da, da, da. He says, now here's what he's gonna do next. So, you know, her ear's gonna turn to me. You know, and then, and then here's what I'm looking for next. I'm looking for the horse uh, to lower its head and the horse is just running around. He's gonna, the horse is gonna lower its head. Next thing you know, the horse goes, the horse's head goes down. And then he says, the fourth thing I wanna see is I wanna see the circle get smaller. And I kid you not, this horse is running around in that ring and, and they run around that ring and then all of a sudden that horse just starts coming in. It's a small circle. And he says, now the horse is ready for what, what he calls join up. He's trademarked this. So the horse has come in at six o'clock at the gates down here. At 12 o'clock, he's now with the horse and he's just rubbing the horse's head. You know how, you know, people around horses are comfortable around horses. You just think they're petting a dog, you know, and just rubbing that horse. And he's talking, he says, well, the horse is this. And she's telling me that she wants to do this. And, he's, she's, and, he, and it's all about posture. It's all about, he'll talk about the angles of his shoulders. He'll talk about his eyes. Talks about her ears, her eyes on both sides of the head. And he's just rubbing that, rubbing that that horse and this horse don't you got it can't forget this is a wild horse never broken it's been 20 15 15 20 minutes and he says is he ready for the join up he calls it a join up and he says now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn and I'm going to turn my shoulders 3 quarters away so not like this but he says 3 quarters away and I'm gonna walk and he starts walking he says and she's gonna follow me and I almost lose it cuz at that moment that big piece of muscle sticks its head right on his shoulder. And then he's, he's walking. He says, she won't leave me. And he's turning this way and he's turning. And he goes, she wants to be with me. Now, so what, so what Monty Roberts does is he, you know, this, is, this may sound corny, but he, he builds a relationship with the horse. There's communication. And when he turns he doesn't have a bridle in its mouth or anything. It's just the power of his connection, you know, and, the, and that horse is just nudging him on the shoulder. Whew. So Jesus steps off the mountain. He's been rubbing our head. 
And he says, follow me. Jesus will not put a bit in your mouth. He will not whip you. He will not coerce you. I'm telling you, he's coming off the mountain. He's gonna turn his shoulders three quarters and he's gonna walk. What are you gonna do? You don't have to follow. But oh my, that's where life is. Right there on his shoulder. <laughs> so, I am gonna invite everyone in the room to choose today, everyone online. And this is uncomfortable, I get it. You know, Paul, why don't you play a little bit just to break the ice <laughs> so people aren't so nervous. <laughs> but truly, I, I mean this, it, it's, uh, you know, we don't just sit, you know, why, why am I gonna ask you to stand? Can I say this? Faith that transforms us is faith that's lived. God has given us a body and you engage your body in obedience and trust. And in that you're changed. I'm telling you, just you can't sit here and read books all day and become Christ, like Christ, you won't. You can read a book all day and you can look at me and say, I, hey, I learned to love today. Really? Yeah, I read all about, you know what I'm saying? No, love. I've learned to forgive. I, you, you have to forgive to experience. So our bodies are important people. And so you use your body. So this is just, this is just a, this is just you standing up. It's just you putting your body in it going, I'm following you, Jesus. So I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna invite you to stand if you want to. And I'm gonna say, when you stand, just remain standing. Um, it could be you stand because you, you um, it could be you're trusting Christ for the first time. And you say, I'm trusting Jesus. Today. It, I hope for, for many, it's, you know, I've been walking with Jesus. I just wanna, I'm just reminding myself and my, my community of faith, my family, that I'm under Jesus's authority. And so you stand, you, you, you may be, um, you know, it's, it's that point at which as Christians, we have these markers in our life where we, we take steps of faith. And this, can I say this to everyone in the room? Cause it's, it's, it's hard to do. This is a very safe place. And may I say, you don't have to stand. So, so it's not like, I'm gonna look up at you and go, well, they're not following Jesus, clearly. No, <laughs> no one's doing that. You may be, you may, it may be for you that you just sit, but you, you, um, you, you deal with Jesus. You talk to Jesus, you decide I'm following. You don't have to stand, but for some of us, and that's I'm encouraging for those who would and want to, I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna ask you to do it now. Over the next, I'm gonna give you a minute and then we will respond. I will have us respond, but you, we've come off the Sermon on the Mount. If you, if you are going to follow Jesus and, and this, you just, this, this is between you and God and you say, I am under your authority, Jesus, then you stand. It's good for you. It's good for the body of faith. It's good for us as a church to have these moments where we mark these things. It's not, it's not weird or corny or any, it's, it's what we, it's following Jesus. If 
you would and you're seated, go ahead and stand. I, I would like everyone standing at this point because I, I want us to, to respond. Do you know, I, I sent an email early in the week and asked you would, you, would you write three sentences about how God has shaped your heart, shown him, he's shown, he's shown you himself in a fresh way. God's done a work in your heart. Tell us about it. And I said to you then, why would I ask you to do that? Well, because when we gather, Paul says we stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And so when, when, I, when I hear about God changing your life, can I tell you that does something in my life when I hear that. It, it hap- that's how the Spirit moves and works. And so that's why, why we invite you to sh- share something. And a number of you did. I can't say them all, to show you them all, but uh, we're gonna hear a few of those. And we're gonna hear those within the context of our gratitude for what God has done and is doing amongst us. This is the proper response, is it not? Thank you, Jesus. And then we will turn our focus even higher to say, you alone are worthy of all. Oh, Jesus the ruler and authority of all, the, we've sung it, king of 